Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Camden Yards in Baltimore. It's the Cleveland Guardians 6, the Baltimore Orioles 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And guess what? Your Cleveland Guardians are back in second place. They're one game under 500. And uh, it's exactly what the doctor ordered. A three-game set against uh, Kansas City. Now a three-game set against Baltimore. If we can get the brooms out and finish this thing off, it's a lot to ask to sweep any team in Major League Baseball, right? These are Major League players on Baltimore. Uh, But if we can get those brooms out by the end of the weekend, we're going to be back over 500 and feeling a little bit refreshed, a little bit recharged about this team. That's that's the point of playing, you know, the last place teams in the American League. It's to kind of reset yourself. So we go out there and we have a very, very good day to open up this series against Baltimore. Shane Bieber has a fantastic day, an electric day, a strikeout kind of day. Uh, getting back to some of his old ways, his Cy Young ways. That's what playing on Baltimore is supposed to do for you. It's supposed to Baltimore this year. No disrespect if any Orioles fans have stumbled across the podcast. No disrespect to Baltimore, but you guys are in a bit of a downswing right now. Uh, I know you've had good teams in the past, but uh, currently uh, that's what this team, you know, that's what this series is for, to get everybody feeling good, swinging good. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened last night. So we roll right off of the sweep of Kansas City come in and take Baltimore. We're on a four-game win streak. Like I said, we actually jumped the White Sox. We're a game and a half up on the White Sox. Uh, they have uh, We're tied in the win column, but they have way more losses than us. Obviously, play more games. Cleveland is probably leading baseball in rainouts uh, to start the season. So yeah, you got to feel pretty good about this one, right? Let's get into it. Top storyline of this game. And uh, you know, if you if you haven't joined us, or if you're just finding our podcast and just joining us, uh, one of the things we do on this show is we talk about the storylines of the game. Every game of baseball has storylines within it, and that's kind of how we let you know. That's how we guide this show. That's how we run through a game. We take a look at the storylines, and the top one for me has to be Shane Bieber. I mean, just dominant stuff. Takes a no hitter into the sixth inning. Although, looking at his pitch count, it would have been interesting to see if he could have got there. Uh, unfortunately, Trey Mancini breaks it up. Hey, great hitter. Uh, but Bieber goes seven innings, gives up three hits eventually. Two earned runs uh, would come in in that eighth inning. Two walks, 11 strikeouts, though, on 98 pitches. He's hard hit six times throughout this game. That's pretty elite stuff. I mean, this takes us back to Cy Young. Shane Bieber, and what was working for him? The off-speed stuff. I mean, everything was kind of working for him, but the off-speed stuff was definitely working for him. He kept the fastball down. He had the fa- actually, he just had the fastball under control. He was spotting the fastball, especially to his glove side of the plate. You know, for the right-handed pitcher, which, from the catcher's view here of the illustrator on Baseball Savant, that would be the right edge of the plate for us from the catcher's view. Definitely spotting a ton of fastballs on that edge. You'll see he had a ton of called strikes on that. And then attacking with the slider, but also letting the slider reach across the zone and uh, hit that bottom outside corner a lot. Throwing that curveball in and out, throwing it for strikes, and then letting it fall, letting the bottom fall out from it. 
and drop below the knees. He gets a lot of strikeouts with that as well. So going over to the player breakdown page, Shane Bieber actually throws the slider the most on the day. Um, 39 times he throws the slider, only 34 times he goes to the fastball. 21 knuckle curves mixed in there. Yeah, throw in three changeups and one cutter. There was another one that was called a slider. Ooh, it looked like a cutter to me. It was tight. It was 86 miles per hour. But they called it a slider on Baseball Savant. It's hard. I'm, I, I can't imagine how they differentiate between his cutter and his slider. It's about a mile and a half difference. Um, you know, maybe based on the spin, uh, the slider can spin up at, oh, around 2,500 RPM. But that's exactly what the cutter spins at. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know how Baseball Savant or StatCast or, you know, how Major League Baseball is differentiating between the 39 sliders he threw and the one cutter that he threw. Um, but it's elite, elite stuff for swing and miss when it comes to that off-speed stuff. He gets 14 whiffs on, tw- on 24 swings at his slider. That's a 58% whiff rate on his slider, mixing three called strikes. He gets, on 14 swings, seven whiffs on his knuckle curve. That's a 50% whiff rate on the knuckle curve. And throwing one whiff on two swings at his changeup. Uh, it's a 44% whiff rate total on the day. Plus, throwing 13 called strikes on his four-seam fastball. The three on the slider and one more on that cutter. 17 called strikes. It's good for a 41% CSW total on the day. Called strikes plus whiffs. 41%. If you break 40, you are in elite, elite, best of the day type, you know, territory. And that's exactly what Shane Bieber was uh, on this day. Uh, I mean, that's just fantastic stuff. 41% CSW. I don't know if we've seen a 40% CSW from a starter yet this season in a Guardians uniform. Uh, And then jumping back to the illustrator, let's just take a look at the location of those strikeouts. Um, It's uh, it's a couple of fastballs down at the knees. Every of the four seam fastball strikeouts, they're all at the knees. And then he's got a bunch of sliders down and away. He got Austin Hayes chasing down and away. He got Austin Hayes chasing twice down and away. And he got Tyler Nevin chasing down there. And then four knuckle curves, one in the strike zone to Adley Rushman uh, in the seventh inning. We're actually going to talk about that at bat. Uh, He gets Rushman in the uh, second inning, a knuckle curve down below the knees, gets Cedric Mullins down there, and gets Anthony Santander to swing at one in the dirt, frankly. And then, hey, one high slider to Trey Mancini. Uh, You know, that's kind of an outlier from everything. I mean, everything was basically at the knees or below, except for one slider up above the zone up above the letters that he got Mancini to chase. Um, So that's where your strikeouts were located for Shane Bieber last night. And I said I wanted to talk about those Addy Rushman um, strikeouts because I actually thought, you know, I didn't get to catch the beginning of the game. I kind of jumped into the middle here, got to see towards the end. And I thought it was an interesting at-bat in this situation between Rushman and Shane Bieber in the seventh inning. So earlier in the game, he gets him to strike out. He struck out, struck him out a lot. Uh, the uh, the young rookie, the number one prospect in baseball, goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts on the day. He's hitting 149 with a 458 OPS to start things off for his major league career. So struggling a little bit against major league pitching. 
Um, early in the game, Bieber gets him, uh, I believe, on four pitches. Yeah, he misses with a slider, but then gets him with a four-seam fastball for a called strike, and then two knuckle curves below the knees that he swings at for strikes. So he's already struck him out to Bieber's knuckle curve. Well, he comes up in the seventh inning, and I just really love this battle. Uh, it was to end the seventh inning. It was interesting reading the body language of Shane Bieber. It was interesting to see how he attacked here. So he starts him off. The left-handed hitter, Bieber tries to hit the outside corner with a four-seam fastball down at the knees, and he just leaves it a little wide. And he was mad at himself. You instant body reaction from Bieber after this one is he's frustrated with himself for missing the target with this four-seam fastball to start the at-bat. He wanted to start 0-1, not 1-0. So what does he do? He gets him off balance a little bit by throwing him a slider at the knees on the plate that he swings through for a strike. Okay, so he balances the forcing fastball with a slider. Then he decides to come up and in under the hands of Rushman with a forcing fastball right on the inside edge and locks him up. Okay, so he just swung at that slider, locks him up with another forcing fastball at 91 miles per hour. Remember, Bieber's not lighting up the radar gun right now, but he comes up and in in a really hard spot against the lefty uh, and gets that called strike. Now, he, now he's got him. Now he's ahead one and two in the count. What is he going to do? That old knuckle curve that uh, Rushman has already struck out on, except this one he puts in the dirt, and Rushman's able to lay off it. And he, again, the body language from Bieber, he wanted this strikeout. He wants that knuckle curve to be a strikeout pitch. He's pissed at himself for, you know, he could have brought it up just a little bit, put it at the shins. Maybe he gets the swing and miss. But he put it in the dirt, and he's able to lay off it. So he's got to throw him off the knuckle curve. So what does he do? He goes back to the four-seam fastball, and he throws it up at the letters. So he just showed him one in the dirt, and this time he's bringing that eye level up, throws one up at the levers, letters, puts a little more mustard on it, gets it up to 92.4 miles per hour. He fouls it off. Rushman fouls it off. He stays alive. He's in a 2-2 count now, and he goes back to the knuckle curve, this time at the knees, Perfect spot for this thing, and he gets that swinging strike. He gets that strikeout. I just love this approach from Bieber, and I loved his body language on the mound. Being late in the game, he had already given up the no-hitter in the sixth when Mancini got a two-out single, so that pressure was off. Now it was just about how deep can I go in this game and how many strikeouts can I rack up, and you know he wanted to get Rushman one more time. And the fact that he, you know he misses with that knuckle curve throws him off with that high fastball, and then comes right back to that pitch, that strikeout pitch that he wanted, the knuckle curve. I just thought it was a really cool pitch sequencing. You know, how he came back from missing that first, you know, being frustrated with himself and missing that first pitch, having to go 1-0 instead of 0-1. Uh, yeah, so I just thought it was a really cool battle between two players uh, to see how he handled that and how he eventually got to that strikeout. All right, so I mean... That's everything I got on Bieber. It was so, so, I mean, unless you want to go through every single strikeout like that, uh, it was just elite, elite stuff from Shane Bieber. And it's good to see. I, okay, I take that back. Not everything I have on Bieber. There is, there is something I wanted to talk about because, um, you know, obviously 11 strikeouts in seven innings definitely helps pad your strikeouts per nine. Uh, stats. A lot of times with pitchers, it's interesting to look at these per nine 
uh, stats, right? Walks per nine, strikeouts per nine, home runs per nine, hits per nine, things like that. It's interesting to see how they do over the course of the game. Uh, it definitely padded the numbers. 11 strikeouts in seven innings definitely helped the numbers out. But he's down. He's down from what he's been the last few years. And looking over his, uh, you know, his his career uh, numbers here, it, man, it really, the 2020 season just pops out as just, that was such a rarefied territory. It was such elite territory. It, it makes you appreciate how hard it is to be that good and win a Cy Young. Like, uh, it's unbelievable some of the numbers here compared to his career numbers. For his career, his run scored per nine innings is a very respectable 3.51. This year, he's a little bit below his career average at 3.41. Um, he's a little bit above last year, which was 3.35. But his Cy Young season, he was at 1.75 runs scored per nine innings. I mean, that's unimaginable now. Averaging a little over three runs a game is fine. But he was under two runs a game in that Cy Young season. Uh, when it comes to strikeouts per nine, now, he's been double digits for most of his career. His career average is 11.10 strikeouts per nine. This year, he's a little below. He's at 9.2. All right, so he's going to have to bring that up a little bit. Last year, he was at 12.48. In that Cy Young season, he was at 14.2 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, obviously, if, if what these numbers mean is if you last nine innings in a game, that's how many strikeouts they would expect. Obviously, he wasn't getting 14 strikeouts every time out because the games like this where you go seven innings with 11 strikeouts, you know, they average that out to what it would be over nine innings if you stayed on that pace, basically. Uh, his walks per nine are actually better than they've been the last two seasons. Um, he's at 2.37. In that Cy Young season, it was at 2.44. So he's just below that pace. And same thing with home runs per nine. He's at 0.59 home runs per nine innings. Uh, last year, he was just over one at 1.02. In his Cy Young season, he was at 0.81. Uh, so yeah, so he is, uh, he is you know, some of those categories he is running with his 2020 season. Uh, the strikeouts are down a little bit. The run scored are a little more. But he's still having a pretty good season to start, you know. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, he's at a 3-3 record right now, but wins are not everything. He's at a 3-12 ERA. He's at a 1.15 whip right now. It'll be interesting to see if these become all-star type numbers by the time we get around to the all-star break. You know, pitchers don't go through the same voting that position players go through from the public. So he's got a little more time to see where these numbers lie with the rest of the American League starters. Um, he's still definitely one of the elite starters in the American League. And it would be good to get another representative on the All-Star team with Jose Ramirez. It's always fun. I mean, it doesn't mean anything in the long run, but it's always fun for us baseball fans to have somebody else to cheer for on All-Star weekend. So it'll be interesting to see if he stays. I mean, if this sets him up, if his control and his command are this sharp against some of the more elite teams that he's going to have to face, uh, you know, that's the question. You could do it against Baltimore, but can you do it against New York? Can you do it against Toronto? Uh, Minnesota right now, who's leading the division, can you do it the next time we face them? So it's good to see Bieber have a game like this. It was fun. It was vintage to 2020 Cy Young Bieber. 
Uh, and let's see if he keeps carrying this forward. If he's found a recipe to work with the velocity that he's got and make it work by commanding pitches, getting all those called strikes on the four-seam fastball, right? 13 called strikes on that four-seam fastball. And then pairing that with all the swing and miss on his breaking stuff. So it's a great job by Shane Bieber. And you know what? Before I forget, because I've forgotten on I like the last four podcasts, MVP for the day. Definitely MVP for the day goes to Shane Bieber on this one. Uh, elite stuff from him. All right. Let's talk the other storyline of this game, which is, okay, I'm going to be a little hard on Terry Francona here. And you know what? A lot of Guardians Twitter was hard on Terry Francona um, yesterday. So he decides with a lefty on the mound, he does what he does, and he clears the bench of his right-handed hitters. Ernie Clement gets in there in left field. Oscar Mercado gets in there in right field. I understand the urge to want to get some righties in the lineup against a lefty starter, but he's actually taking out guys that hit lefties better than those right-handed hitters. I get it. It's an opportunity to give Jimenez a day off or give a Naylor a day off or give a Quan or a Palacios a day off. Jimenez this season, in a small sample size, is hitting 391. He's slashing. He's slashing 391, 417, 522 against left-handed pitching this season, a 939 OPS. By the way, we always try to break things down and simplify things on the show. So when you hear someone say slashing, what numbers is he slashing? They're just talking about batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage. Usually when you see those written out, they'll use uh, slash marks in between them. So that's where they came up with the term slashing. So he's at 391 batting average, a 417 OPS on base, sorry, 417 on base, and a 522 slugging. That's what he's slashing against left-handed pitching. What are you putting that on the bench for? He's arguably the best defender we have and one of our best hitters right now. What are you putting that on the bench for? Now, it works out in this game because almost everybody in the lineup has a multi-hit game except for the two right-handed bats that you put in the lineup off your bench. Clement goes over four in the seven hole and Oscar Mercado goes over four in the eighth hole. And neither of them, Clement has one hard hit ball. Mercado has no hard hit ball. So they weren't even making good contact. Hedges in the ninth hole, I get it. You got two right-handed catchers, so it doesn't matter. Hedges in the nine hole, he goes two for four. Um, so that's a surprise right there. Even he had a multi-game hit, multi-hit game. So yeah, so I don't know why he's so determined to clear the bench. I understand if you want to get one of these guys in the game. I understand if you want to give a lefty a day off against a righty. It's a good opportunity to give them a day off. But I mean, Quan hits lefties. Palacios, in his minor league career, has hit lefties. Uh, keep these guys in the lineup. You kept Naylor in the lineup, and he goes two for four uh, on the day. It rewards you with two RBIs, with a double. Two hard hit balls. So, yeah. So, you know, you don't have to do this, Rancona. And everybody on Guardians Twitter seemed to be in agreement. And it was one of the first times... I've kind of seen Guardians Twitter kind of turn against a Terry Francona decision collectively and be like, what are you, why are you selling out the bench against left-handed pitching? If you want to get one of these guys in there, fine. And they both played great defensively. Clement had a great one running to his running towards the line. He snagged one. Mercado made a diving catch, made you know a couple of good plays on back on the warning track. So they played great defense. They played solid defense. 
But yeah, I just don't understand why we're selling out like that. Now, with that said, the offense was fantastic last night. I mean, absolutely on a roll. Uh, They put up runs early. They scored two in the first. They scored three more in the third. The top of the lineup just doing damage. Two hits for Straw. One hit for Ahmed Rosario. But two hits for Jose Ramirez. Three hits for Owen Miller. Two for Naylor. Two for Oscar Gonzalez. That's your one through six hitters right there. That's good stuff. And they put together three rallies in this game. Scored uh, all six runs come from the top four hitters in your lineup. That's, we talked about it before. Remember when the uh, top of the lineup went like 0 for 11, right? And we had a terrible offensive day. Well, the top of the lineup got on base today and they turned it into runs. All six runs go to the top four hitters in this lineup. That's pretty good stuff right there. That's, I mean, this is the kind of box score you want to see. Um, so, yeah, so let's get into some of the scoring because some of it's kind of cool. We get back-to-back doubles from uh, from Jose Ramirez and Owen Miller in the first inning. That's where the two runs come in. Ahmed Rosario was on base with a single. Ramirez, I thought this was interesting because in his first at-bat, he kind of reaches to an outside pitch and is able to pull it uh, down the third base line. Later in the game... Um, Later in the game, he would get another outside pitch, and this time he would shoot it into right field. So the first pitch was a changeup away. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It was a four-seam fastball away. That's the one he pulls down the left field line. Later, he gets a changeup away, and he shoots it through the big hole on the right side into right field for a single. So I thought that was interesting. Two outside pitches. But two different. One, he's able to get around on the fastball and take one from the outside and pull it, which is really hard to do. And then a slower pitch, a changeup, he just sits back on it and shoots it into right field. A little bit of the mindset of Jose Ramirez of how he's approaching uh, his at-bats from the right side of the plate against the left-handed pitcher. So yeah, so they get uh, back-to-back doubles that lead to the two runs. But the one in the third inning was really fun. Uh, straw singles, Rosario would pop out. Ramirez shoots that single through the right side. By the way, that one, he goes the opposite way. He hits 101.8 mile per hour exit velocity. So hitting things hard on the day. And that would bring up Owen Miller. He would shoot one back up the middle at 102.3. But Jose Ramirez was running on the pitch. You know he's been aggressive on the base pass lately. He was running on the pitch going for a steal, and he just keeps going. He sees that ball going to center field, and he does not break his stride. He does not hesitate for a second rounding second. And Mullins out there in center field tries to lay out for it. It hits off the uh, the front of his glove, the tip of his glove. It kind of bounces away from him a little bit. And guess what? Jose Ramirez doesn't stop running, doesn't hesitate, doesn't give an inch. He is going full speed for home. He scores... I saw somebody on Twitter said this. It's one thing to go first to third on a single. He went first to home on a single up the middle. Now, obviously, the ball kind of hitting off the front of Mullen's glove and bouncing away from him helps a little bit. But, I mean, he makes it by inches in the home. It's a play at the plate, and Ramirez just gets the fingers in there ahead of the tag, and he is clearly safe, no doubt about it. The ump was right on it, got the call right. Uh, so Ramirez, man... He is just electric, just electric. Francona said it in an interview earlier. They had some sound bites of Francona and Sandy Elmar talking about how great of a hitter and a player Jose Ramirez has been. But uh, Francona said it right, not only in the batter's box, in every spot on the field. 
uh, Jose Ramirez is elite. And running the bases is another area where he shows that he's just an elite, elite player. I've talked about it before on the show. I think the key, the key to taking that extra base is you cannot hesitate. As soon as the idea comes into your head, as soon as you see an opening, you have to just go for it. You just have to go. As soon as you hesitate, you're dead. You're dead duck on the base paths. No hesitation from Jose Ramirez. He knew exactly what he was going to do when that ball hit off the front of Cedric Mullins' glove. So a fun rally there. Naylor would then single. He would shoot one through the opposite side at 100.5 miles per hour uh, to bring in uh, Owen Miller uh, as the final run in that inning. That's the three runs we get in the third. And then uh, the last run would come in the seventh inning. And uh, Naylor almost had one. Almost had one. After an Owen Miller uh, single, uh, he would hit a high double. The launch angle on this one, ready? The launch angle is 44-degree launch angle, 336 off the big wall in right field in Baltimore. Almost had one out. Uh, it only had an expected batting average of .060. This would be a flyout in probably most major league parks, including Progressive Field. But here it goes off the wall, and that uh, brings in Owen Miller to score. Gonzalez would single behind him. Gonzalez had two hard-hit balls uh, get through on the day. He would shoot a single through, but unfortunately, with Naylor running, I mean, this guy, he, he he's a big dude. Naylor's a big dude. And watching him decelerate around third base, slow himself back down, and get back to the bag was interesting to watch. I mean, could you admit, if this guy was a football player, he would be a left guard or a right guard and just be pulling and smashing people in the run game. Uh, Naylor definitely uh, definitely does not move great around the base pads, but he's still dealing with that leg injury too. He was limping a little bit on that leg last night. It'll be interesting to see if maybe he gets a day off from the field, if he DHs or something like that uh, today when they play, um, because he probably could use a day off those legs, um, let them feel a little better. He was limping pretty bad going around third base last night. So, uh, Gonzalez does have a chance for an RBI there, but unfortunately with Naylor running, they can't add another run. Um, it would get a little interesting in the eighth inning. Uh, they would have two leadoff singles to knock Bieber out of the game. They'd bring in De Los Santos out of the bullpen, right? Trying to find who's going to be reliable out of the bullpen. He almost gets out of it. It's pretty wild stuff, but he gets Mullins to fly out. He gets tra- uh, he gets a, a strikeout of Jorge Mateo first. Sorry. He strikes out Mateo. He gets Cedric Mullins to fly out. He's got Mancini with two out now. I think on a wild pitch, the runners move up to second and third. But Mancini's able to get one, put one over Ramirez's head down the left field line for a two RBI double. He then gives up a huge single to Santander off the wall in right field at 104.7 miles per hour. That would knock him out of the game after giving up the three runs. Two are credited to Bieber, but they're inherited runners that he gives up. But they'd bring in Eli Morgan, and I'm telling you, Eli Morgan is just nasty. And he gets the strikeout of Austin Hayes, and then Classe shuts him down with two strikeouts in the ninth inning, including a nasty slider to Rudin and Odor. Actually, I think, and Rushman, I think both of his strikeouts, if we jump back over to the illustrator here, I believe both of his strikeouts came via the, um, via the slider. So yeah, he got Rushman on a slider in the zone and then gets Runo Dor to chase one, the lefty to chase one down at his feet, basically. 
So it's nasty stuff from Classe to save the game, his eighth save on the season, and to close this thing out. Another guy who does Classe find his way onto an all-star team? Uh, you know, with relief pitchers, you never know. That's a you know, that's a mystery how they pick the you know the relief pitchers. They probably still go by saves, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, so Classe his eighth save on the season. It's a great day to be a Guardians fan. A great win for the guards, and it was a fun one. It was a really fun one. You had some fun rallies here. Uh, you know, I think I saw uh, Sarah Slangs, who does a great job for MLB, just constantly tweeting out different interesting stats on the day and things like that. Something like it was like the fourth most home runs all time in one day in Major League Baseball, across Major League Baseball. But not in the Guardians game. Not in the Guardians. They score six runs on rallies on base hits, on taking extra bases, on railing about with going the opposite field, shooting it through the gaps. That's how the Guardians offense got it done on the day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. We get a little afternoon baseball, some late afternoon, a four o'clock start. We got Tristan McKenzie on the mound going against Wells for the Orioles. He's a righty, so you expect to see Jimenez and Quan and those guys back in the lineup for this one. So to catch my thoughts on all of that, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Also, you can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. We asked for thoughts on Shane Bieber a few weeks ago when he was struggling. You can still send me your thoughts on Shane Bieber now that he's pitching great. Any comments you got on the game, go ahead and email them over to clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. We'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Cleveland Baseball Morning.